0: is it so so go with me to psalms chapter 112 this is gonna be our key verse for the series starting in verse 5 i'm gonna read this one verse out of the niv translation just like the way it says it better it says good will come to him who is generous and lends freely who conducts his affairs with justice surely he will never be shaken now i don't know if you just caught that but there's a whole lot of big stuff in that little bitty verse did you catch that i'll read it again Good will come. How many of you want some good to come your way? Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Let me practicalize that for you real quick. That's my word. It's in my dictionary. It's coming out next year. You want it? You want good to come your way? You want to be unshakable? Be generous and live a good life. Be generous and live a good. You see, God doesn't make it too complicated for us to understand. God keeps it real simple for us to understand. Sometimes it's difficult to live it out. Because the the truth is we like our stuff, right? Right? Okay, if you don't preach back to me this morning, I'm going to go long. I'm telling you, i got at least two hours in me. (laughs) I promise I won't go two hours, maybe 145. (laughs) But it says this at the end of that in verse six, it says, surely he, this person who is generous and conducts their affairs with justice. In other words, they're generous and they live a good life. This person, watch this, will never be shaken. Uh Uh-oh. That's big promises right there. God's saying that if you'll live this way, if you'll be this person, you will never be shaken. Doesn't mean that things around you won't be shaking. It just means that when everything around you is shaking, you're going to remain unshakable. Come on. Anybody need a little unshakable this morning? Anybody need a little something solid to stand on this morning? It's right there in Psalms 112. That's good stuff right there. The Bible's preaching good. I hadn't even put any words into that. That's just the Bible preaching to us. So let me ask you a question. What's your vision for your life? You see, here at our Savior's Church, we have a vision for you. We have a purpose for you. We're a church on mission. We're a church that's going somewheres. We got a plan for this region and for this city. We have a plan for Jennings in the region around Jennings and a plan for Eunice in this region and Crowley in that region. And we're going to plant at least seven more churches before Pastor Bubba dies. So we got big plans and big vision for people. Watch this. And most of them don't have a vision for their own life. What's your vision for your life? What's your vision for your marriage? What's your vision for your children? Come on, what you gonna leave behind for your kids to take off with? You gonna leave some meat on the bone for your kids? What's your vision for your job and your ministry? You see, you need to have a vision. You need to live intentional. You don't need to live by by the way the wind blows. You need to live intentional. You need to have a vision. You You need to pray and ask God to give you a vision if you don't have a vision. Lord, what's your vision for my life? What's your vision for my marriage and my children? What's your vision for my business? Come on. He wants to give you a vision. Watch the last part of that verse. It says this. A righteous man, by the way, is one who gives generously and conducts his affairs with justice. A righteous man will be remembered forever. How many of you won't be remembered forever? For good things. <laughs> Let me just clear that up. <laughs> you know, Because we've all been to the funeral where you've got to find something good to say about somebody. You're kind of like, well, you know, they had good hair. <laughs> yeah, they showed up for work most of the time. Listen, I want people at my funeral telling stories about what I did. Come on, I want my kids to stand up there proud of their daddy. That's my daddy right there, man. He lived it well. I hope I can do what he did. Come on, I want to be remembered. I want to be that righteous man. The only way to be that is to live generously, to give generously, and to conduct my affairs with justice. Good stuff? So what is a legacy? A legacy, simply put, is where my life lives on. A legacy is where my life lives on. And that's what this series is all about. It's about living your life in such a way that that it'll live on. That when you, when you end this life and you go into eternity, that, that what you lived will live on. Amen. That what you left behind will have left a good mark. Yeah. Not a skid mark. A good mark. Don't take that the wrong way. Some of you made that face. I don't know how I'm going to recover from that one. My mom left the mark. My mom died of brain cancer 17 years ago. She fought a good fight with brain cancer for three years. She went through a couple of surgeries. She gave, it, she gave it work. My mom, I didn't realize at the time, left a mark. She made a difference in the community around her. See, my mom raised me by herself. She, when I was born, my daddy was caught being unfaithful. They divorced. My mom had to, had to literally, I'm talking about literally, physically fight for me. My dad stole me one time, brought me to Texas. My mom went and got me back. And if you knew my mom, you don't mess with my mom. (laughs) But my mom gave her life to me. I was her number one project. I was her only kid. She spoiled the mess out of me. But she raised me right. She didn't do everything perfect, but she raised me right. And she gave me the best she could. And then when I left the house and I went to college... My mom had something inside of her that said, I got to keep making a difference. I got to do something. I got to change the world around me. She was stuck in Franklin, Louisiana. There's not a whole lot of things that change in Franklin, Louisiana, right? And so, so she, she just got involved in her community. She was, she was known for starting the Boys and Girls Club in St. Mary Parish. She was known for establishing the first battered women's shelter in Franklin, Louisiana, She was known for being the president of the American Heart Association. She was uh, head of the Business Women's Association and so many more. There was about 15 of them, if I can recall, that she was involved in. And after she died, I was invited to several of them to go and speak because they were doing honorary things for my mom. And And at that time, I was like, man, people really like my mom. I was clueless. And then the other night, Cheryl and I were watching the news and they, they showed a clip from St. Mary Parish. Somebody had won the Virginia Tyler Award. And when we saw it, I mean, I was half asleep and I was like, the Virginia Tyler Award I win. And it hit me. My mom made a difference. 17 years to the day, not to the day, but 17 years ago, my mama's life made a difference. And there's people receiving rewards or awards in her name for doing good deeds to other people around them and in the community. Are you seeing this? She made a difference. You know what? That makes me proud of my mom. I'm proud to stand here today and say I'm the son, the only son of Virginia Tyler. She was she was something. I couldn't get a date in high school because I didn't know, but my mom was behind me, browbeating all the girls in high school. I was like, man, I know I'm good looking. Why are these girls running from me? It's because my mom was back there. You believe that boy alone? But she loved me. She saved me from a whole lot of trouble. But she made a difference. So you may be saying, Well, Pastor, how do I live a life that lives on? I'm glad you asked that question. Psalms 112 tells us, tells us exactly how. Here's how we do it giving to something that will outlive me. Giving to a place, giving to a church, giving to a cause, giving whatever you got. I'm not just talking about money. This thing is so much bigger than money. I'm not talking about greenbacks or change. I'm talking about time, talent, treasure, ideas, creativity, passion, purpose, compassion. There's a lot to give. A whole lot to give. And one of the ways we live a life that's going to live on after we're gone is by giving to something that will outlive me. The second way is by living so my life outlives me. And I want to show you how to do that today. I want to show you how to live in such a way that even your life outlives you. I know I'm making a bunch of promises this morning. I know I'm putting myself out there. You know, you're not going to be shaken and and you're going to live a good life. And just hang with me. I've got confidence in God's word this morning. I'm going to show you how to solve your problems today. If I didn't hang myself enough. I'm going to show you how to solve your problems. Not make your problems go away. I'm going to help you bring a solution to your problems today. I'm going to tell you how. By showing you that there's something bigger to live for than your problems. You see, I see too many Christians today. Their life is driven ordained, directed, and instructed by their problems. When you talk to them, you hear it. How you doing, man? Oh, bruh. And you're like, oh, shoot, I knew I shouldn't have called them. (laughs) No, I'm serious. There's some people I don't like to call you. you like Linus. You got the cloud over you. (laughs) But I'll call you anyway. I still love you. But some people in the church are driven by their problems. Their problems dictate their life. Their problems dictate their mood. It dictates how they're going to act, how they're going to be in relationship with other people. Listen to me. If you're a child of God, get past your problems. Stop whining about it. Find something bigger to live for and outlive your problems. Listen, Jesus never, prob- never promised no problems. In fact, he said quite the opposite. He said something like this in the Jamie version. He said, when you give your life to me, there's going to be a big old bullseye on your back and all the enemy is going to come after you. He said, you thought you had problems. Just wait till you give your life to me. I know that's not good for a salvation message, but it'll work. Trust me. But I want to give you something because you know what it looks like? You know what it looks like when I see Christians, believers, Living by their problems. It's like a a truck stuck in the ditch, and it and and, and the the tires are smoking. Come on, you, you've been stuck before. Listen to me. Every model of truck, every brand of truck gets stuck. Let's just clear the record this morning, okay? Toyota probably the least, the little ones, but y- y'all saw that. I gave credit to another brand. I just want credit for that, right? Okay. But it's like somebody being stuck in the ditch and they're spinning their tires and spinning their tires and spinning their tires and they're getting nowhere. They're stuck in their problems. And so today I just want to be a tow truck. I just want to come hook onto you. And, you know, when you pull something out the ditch, you don't be gentle with that. You kind of got to give it a little. Boom. So if I pull your bumper off, just forgive me this morning. <laughs> The goal isn't to live on earth forever because we won't but to leave something that will. That's the goal. The goal is to make a difference in the area that God's given me so that when I pass on things will be better. I can look back and say I left it better. I left it better than when I got there. You see I'm a transplant. My wife and I were transplants into this city. I go to these events and I'm jealous of all you cuz y'all know everybody. We're like we're like foreigners. Even in Eunice. But I, I was, I, we were sent here to make a difference. And when we're finished with this life on earth, I want Cheryl and I to look back and go, you know what? We made a difference. We changed it. It's better than when we found it. Come on. So my job is to prepare you for life. The Bible calls me a shepherd. My job description, according to the Bible, is that of a shepherd. Like a shepherd with sheep. Everybody go, bah, (laughs) y'all did that. (laughs) I can't believe y'all did that. (laughs) I'd have never done that. (laughs) My job is is a shepherd, that of a shepherd. I'm called to shepherd the flock that God's given me. So every person that makes OSC their home and every person that will make OSC their home comes into basically Cheryl and I's flock, and we've got some other co-shepherds, but you come into this flock and you're now under our responsibility. And one day I'll stand before God and give an account for how I shepherded you. Okay? Sometimes I know I preach hard. And, and, and most people that come to this church, you can usually take it. The people that can't, they go to one of them other churches. That's just real. I shoot it straight. Even one of my good friends in town says, yep, you shoot it straight. I said, well, I guess I can take that good. But my job is that of a shepherd. To guide you through life. But watch this. Your life is made up of two parts. The first part being the part that you live here on this earth. So my job, our job, is to guide you through this life that you're going to live on this earth. And that's what most of our preaching is about. That's what we're mostly geared towards. But the other part of my job is to prepare you for a life in eternity. You see, it's my job to get you ready for eternity. Because the vast majority of your life is going to be spent in eternity. The Bible says that this life we live on earth is but a vapor. It's but a flash. It's going to go away instantly. But the life we spend in eternity, one place or the other, is going to be a long, long time. And I want to make sure that we're ready. Amen? I want to make sure that you're ready. That's my goal is to make sure that you're ready. Go with me to Romans that's what I want to do today. Today, I want to get you ready. Romans chapter 14. Starting in verse 10. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. So watch this. The Bible's saying, why are you so busy worrying about everybody else and you're not paying attention to yourself? You better wake up. Because one day, you're going to stand before God. Watch this. Everybody will stand before God one day. Every person. Saved, unsaved. Everybody will stand before God and give an account for their life. Watch this. As surely, the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me. And every tongue will confess and give praise to God. That means that everybody, saved or unsaved, when we get to heaven, when we die, we're going to go up. We're going to be raised up. Every person will have a day where we're going to bend our knees before God. When that day comes, you need to make sure ahead of time that you're on the right side. I want you to be some folks when you get to heaven, you already know how to bend your knee. You are, you already know how to confess that Jesus is Lord. I don't want you to be going, well, I need to make a decision. It's too late. It's too late. When we go up, it's too late. We make the decision now. And I want us to be a church that is confident of our destination in eternity. I want you to to enter that day and you, you get before God and you bow your knee before anybody ever tells you you have to. You bow your knee and you begin to confess Jesus is Lord. Because this is what it's going to look like. Some folks, they're going to get to heaven and all of a sudden their knees are going to give out. Boom. And then their mouth is going to start to confess. And they're going to go. This is what they're going to confess. Oh, man. Jesus really was Lord. Listen to me for those folks. It's too late. It's too late. You can't make up your mind then. You got to make up your mind now. You see, I want to prepare you. I want to get you ready now. Some of you need to do that today. Some of you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Some of you have never made that decision. You can do that today. Sometimes when I think of heaven and what that, what that day, that judgment day is going to look like, sometimes it gets a little funny in my head. And so I'm going to let you into my head this morning. I think when we get to heaven, there's going to be two questions. And I relate that to the Bible because there's going to be two judgments. And the, the first judgment is called the white throne judgment. And that's where we're going to go, they're going to come out and they're going to, we're going to stand before God. I don't know if he's going to go... Jamie Tyler, step forward please. I don't know. Okay. Sometimes it sounds that way. I maybe I have a number like the DMV. I mean you ever think about this? Yeah, maybe we get a beeper. Come on, that's old school, right? Get a text message. You're next. I don't know. But somehow or another we're gonna stand before God, watch this, and then somebody's gonna come out from the side with some books. Mm -mm. some books let's go to revelations real quick (laughs) revelations chapter 20 some of you some of you like man i've been waiting for you to preach out of revelations don't worry it ain't gonna be long revelations chapter 20 two judgments verse 11 And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books, plural, the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books, plural. So watch this. There's going to be some books. Now, some of you are going to have a bigger stack than the rest of you. There are going to be some books. And then there's going to be this other book that's called the book of life. And so we're going to stand before God. And somebody's going to open up the books and start looking. If they don't see anything, they're going to say, oh, he must be written in the book of life. So they're going to close the other books. And they're going to open up the book of life. And they're going to look for your name. And when they find your name, they're going to go, okay, enter into your rest. The reason they they couldn't find anything in the other books is because when you gave your life to Jesus, he went into the file cabinet, into the library with this magical eraser, and he erased all your stuff. Out those books. Come on. Praise the little God this morning. Come on. How many of you excited about that? You mean that thing? Oh, God. I'm so glad. It's like erasing something on your phone before your wife sees it. That wasn't funny. (laughs) Ran over him like a freight train, G. Nothing written in the books. If I have a choice of what book I want to be judged from, I want to be judged from the book of life, not the book's There's not good stuff in those books. I want to be judged from the book of life. You follow me? How many of you want to do that? How many of you want to stand before God one day and they can't find nothing in that book? Listen, I want you to go to heaven with some confidence. When you walk up, go, hey, don't even open them books. I'm over here. Kind of like when you go vote, you already know what book you in, right? You go to the little school and what's your name? Jamie Tyler. And then the A's, I'm like, I'm over here. (laughs) I'm going to get to heaven. I'm going to say, right there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you laughing. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be excited. Ain't no telling what I'm going to do. Book of life. I want my name in the book of life. But this is the question that's going to be asked to every one of us. I believe this. It may not be worded exactly the same, but this question will be asked to every one of us. What did you do with my son, Jesus. What did you do with my son, Jesus? Because you see, here's the thing. God sent his one and only begotten son to come into the world and pay for your sins. So that you wouldn't have to pay for your sins because number one, you can't pay for your sins. He came into the world, died on a cross, was raised from the grave so that your sins would be paid for. Hell is not a place that God sends people he's mad at. Hell is a place where people go to pay for their sins. And it's a tragedy when their sins were already paid for. That's good preaching. I don't care what you say. He's not mad at anybody. It's just they chose not to accept what Christ did on the cross and accept the work that he did for them. So now when eternity comes, they're going to spend eternity paying for their sins. I don't want any of you to pay for your sins. Listen to me. I don't care if I make you mad. I don't want you to pay for your sins. It's, it's a grace judgment, y'all. It's a judgment that we can't earn. It's a judgment that I can't strain hard enough for. It's a judgment I can't go to church enough for. I can't memorize enough scripture to to, to pass this test, to answer this question right. I can't do enough. It's a grace judgment. The judgment is based on what Jesus did, not what I did. All I had to do was either accept it or not. And if I'll accept the work that Jesus did on the cross, that's enough. That's enough. My name goes in the book. The magic eraser comes out. All my past is washed away. Can I get a witness? What did you do with my son Jesus? How do we make sure our name's written in the important book, the book of life? Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. It says this, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my father in heaven will enter on judgment day. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. In other words, we did a bunch of church stuff in your name. We dressed apart. We spoke the Christianese. we, We did our hair the same way everybody's supposed to do it. That's in a church. We did all these things. Watch this. But I will reply. I never knew you. I never knew you. See, this is where we get our vision from, to know God. The, the, in the Greek, that word knew, that I never knew you, means that he didn't know us Personally. Come on, it's it's not about religion, y'all. It's not about knowing about him. It's not about singing about him. It's not about reading about him. It's not about knowing about him. It's about knowing him personally. That when all hell's breaking loose in your life, he's the one you run to. He's the one you realize he's been standing next to you the whole time. He's the one you walk with. He's the one you talk with. He's the one you share your problems with. Right? Know him. That's hard words, man. I never knew you. Get away from me. You who break God's laws. So here's the right answer. I'm going to give you the right answer. You see, I, when I was in college, actually when I was in school, I didn't like school. I wasn't a good student. Could have been. I'm not dumb. I'm smart. I finally convinced myself that I'm smart. But I just didn't apply myself. I didn't like school. If they'd have done school in a boat with a fishing rod, I'd have been a genius. But they didn't. They did it in a classroom with walls and no windows, and it drove me nuts. So I'm in college, and Cheryl and I are dating. She's madly in love with me. Can't keep her hands off of me. And somehow or another, she's an x-ray tech, and I'm, I'm studying to be a PE coach and so anyway, somehow or another, we ended up with the same class somewhere. I don't know if it was like lunch or something, but we ended up with the same class. And we had this same class. And I remember we were, we were taking a test, and, and I didn't study. And we're sitting right next to each other. And you, you're getting revelation right now. I can see it. And, I'm, and she's over there, and she's taking her test. She's got her elbows out. And I'm, si- I'm sitting right here. And I'm looking over there. Psh, let me see. She's like, wow. Let me see. Oh, us, <laughs> oh my God, what I wanted to say, is, girl, you want to keep dating this? You better let me see some answers. It wouldn't have worked though. So I'm not going to do what Cheryl did to me to you today. Is that all right? I'm going to give you the answers. I'm going to move my elbow and let you see today. Is that all right? So answer number one is I knew him personally. When, they, when, when you get asked that question, what did you do with my son Jesus? I want you to say, I knew him personally. Right? I'm going to give you the answers today. Come on. I'm not going to make it hard. Here's the second judgment. This one's called the judgment seat of Christ. And the question will be, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? It's called the judgment seat of Christ. only those whose name is written in the book of life will go to this judgment. It's for believers only. Okay? First judgment pertained to your destination in eternity. Second judgment pertains to what you did or what you what you've done with what he gave you. It's called works. First one was a grace judgment, second one is a works judgment. Okay? Grace was to get into heaven. Works is to get rewarded while in heaven. Make sense? Everybody good? Make sense? It's all good. He's not the first person that's ever happened to. It happened to me one time when I was preaching. That's embarrassing. So the second judgment is called the judgment seat of Christ. It's the, it's the judgment where we get judged on our works. Remember, grace is for heaven. Works is for rewards in heaven. I want to be clear. All believers will go from the first judgment into the second judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. And there we will give an account for what we did on this earth since we gave our life to him. You seeing this? Isn't that good news? <laughs> it's good that he didn't judge me on my works before I met him. But it sure is good that he judges me on my works after I met him. Because I'm not the same person I used to be. I got something weird living on the inside of me. That's making me do all these things I used to never want to do. Watch this. 2 Corinthians 5.10. It says, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. <laughs> Look at me. God loves to reward his children. He loves to reward his children. I believe personally that Jesus is anxiously waiting to, for that day when God says, go get them, boy. And when he comes, gets us. And then, and then we get to get, he, he's anxiously waiting to give us our rewards. Now, now, let's look at this from an outside perspective. Number one, he gave us eternity in heaven, not because of what we did. That was given to us. All we got to do is receive it. That's enough. How many of you say that's enough? Not for God. Because see, some of you need to get this because God really does love you this much. That that's not good enough for God. He wants to give you a little bit more. And he wants to reward you for the good and evil, even for the bad things you've done on this earth. I believe Jesus is coming, waiting to bring us some rewards. Matthew 16, 27 says this, for the son of man is coming, is going to come in his father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Listen to me. I want you to get stacked up with some rewards. I want other churches to be jealous of our Savior's church units, because when y'all get to heaven, they like bringing like truckloads of rewards for you. Like your your driveway is, is gold, baby. I mean, the bass in your pond have gold teeth. I mean, come on, it's. I mean, it's like stocked every time is a 10 to 15 pound bass. I mean, I want some rewards, right? You can eat steak and bluebell all the time and never gain no weight. And you stay ripped and cut like you always wanted to be. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I told you I was going to let you in my head. I'm going to be highly surprised if heaven don't look like that. Just soon have a little bit of fun, y'all. Come on, huh? I mean, listen, this is only a vapor. Why are we stressing out over a vapor? Huh? Why are we living defeated over this short amount of time? Eternity's coming. Eternity's coming. Seal the deal with the book that your name needs to be in and live your life beyond itself. And let's get this thing done and get to heaven and enjoy life. Come on. No more sweating. No more mosquitoes. That ought to be enough to get you shouting and dancing right there because they coming. Oh, they coming. They got their spies out right now. Kill one the other day. I said, no, it's too early. Go home. So what's the right answer? To the question, what did you do with what I gave you? The right answers I gave my life away. Watch this. God's not ever going to hold you accountable for what you didn't have. God will only hold you accountable for what you do have. That ought to free some of you up. He's not going to judge you according to what you didn't have. He's going to judge you by what you did have. You seeing this? You see, I got some. I got some credits in heaven. I'm going to share a few of them with you this morning. I got some credit in heaven because of a Ford F-250 one time. Oh, I'm going to preach. I was test driving a truck, a secondhand F-250 jacked up, long wheel bay, loaded to the gills. It was dirty, though. So, you know, Lucas, I had to clean it. So I told the guy, I said, let me take it home and try it out. So I took it home. I cleaned it up, got all the French fries out the seat. It was nasty. Cleaned it all up. I'm like, man, I need to pull something. And I was living in the city. I was like, I need to pull something. And One day my wife asked me to mop the floors, and I was like, Jesus, take the wheel. Get me out of this house. And I looked out the door, and my neighbor across the street was ripping out some concrete in his backyard, and he put it in his big old dump trailer, and he tried to hook it to his wife's car, and the car was like popping a wheelie in the front yard. <laughs> And it didn't take much of the Holy Spirit to say that's that's an opportunity for God, and an opportunity to get rid of the mob. So the Lord said, "Go help him." I said, "I'll go help him if you take care of her." <laughs> he said, "Well, no, I'm doing." <laughs> he said, "Okay." So I, I, I took off. I got, jumped in my truck. I drove over there. I said, "Hey, bro," I said, "Let's unhook that car and let them front wheels back down." I said, "Let me let me pull this thing to the to the dump for you." Oh, bro, you don't mind? I said, no, bro, I need to try it out. We hooked it on, man. I spent the tires all over town. Took all, went to the dump, checked it out. I served him. I got some Ford Motor credit in heaven. Come on, somebody. What? What? I got some credit in heaven. Wasn't even my truck. (laughs) Didn't even sign the papers. (laughs) I love it. You see, God's not worried about what you don't have. He just wants you to use what you do have. That's hope for all you Chevy boys. Use it as long as you can before it breaks down. Oh, I'm preaching today. Hot dog. Toyotas, y'all better just keep praying. (laughs) All right, let's get serious. You see, the longer the truck lasts, the more credit you get for it. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? If it's broke down, you ain't getting no credit. That's all I'm saying. Lord, I hope my truck don't break down. Lord, I'm not going to hear the end of it. You better not go mess with my truck. All right, all right. So the right answer is I gave my life away. I gave my life away. I used everything that God gave me to do the work that he put out in front of me. You don't even have to go look for the work. God will put it in your lap. There is opportunity everywhere we go. Do you know as a church, we're a church on mission and we expect you to live on mission. I, I will never browbeat you. I will never beat you down to go out and serve in this community. I will never try to guilt you into doing it. I will always give you an opportunity to go. Watch this. We had an outreach this past, this past Saturday, yesterday, for Gracie's arm Great cause. We, we blasted it on Facebook. We sent out text messages. I told everybody I came in contact with. I want to give you an opportunity to go. And live what we're talking about today. Okay. Now, your pastor, I'm going to go. That's just the way God made me. I was doing that long before I got a title. That's not even in my job requirement. I took my kids when they were real young. And we would go to the neighbor's house. And we would wash their cars before the sun came up. You're like, Dad, why are we doing this? I said, because we're going to sneak a blessing on them. It's just in me. You follow me? So yesterday, I went to the, to the banquet. I mean, not the banquet, the benefit. I got there at 6 o'clock, thought I was going to drink my coffee for a little while. Frank was ready to go. He was like, grab the torch, bro. I was like, put my coffee cup up. I didn't see it again until 4.30 in the afternoon. I lit charcoal. We grilled 1,300 burgers and, and six or 700 pork steaks. I smelled like a pork steak when I was done. And we just went to town. Never look back. I wanted every one of you to be there. But some of you had legitimate reasons why you couldn't be there. And I'm not going to beat you up about that. But I want to make sure that I give you an opportunity to reach out into this community and do what we're talking about today. What was cool and it was kind of funny, for some reason they asked me to pray. Now, me and Frank and his family and maybe a few other people were the only Christians in the place who was predominantly Catholics. And there's nothing wrong with that. And they asked me to pray. And so I come up to this tent, my eyes are burning, they're full of pork smoke, and I'm like, man. So I go up there and I start praying, and I remember Pastor Bubba taught me a lesson a long time ago. When you're praying with a bunch of people that are Catholics, always end your prayer in, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I'm just praying, I'm just going to town praying, and I say, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody's like, the sign of the cross. And by the way, the sign of the cross, the Catholics don't have the rights to that. You want to do sign of the cross, do the sign of the cross. I don't know what it means, but just do the sign of the cross if you want to do it. It's not, you don't have to be Catholic to do that, is what I'm saying. So I prayed, and then I turned around and walked off. And friends, I said, man, thank you for praying. And I said, bro, God's touching this family, man. And, and so a little while later, I walked over by these ladies that were wrapping burgers. And one of them goes, uh, I enjoyed that combo prayer. <laughs> I said, what you mean by combo prayer? She said, well, I caught it. She said, it was a little bit Christian and a little bit Catholic. I said, oh, you caught that? She said, yeah, I caught that. And another lady across the table goes, goes, yeah, you bypassed oral. And I went, hold up. What does that mean? And so we just laughed and we cut up. And but my job is to make sure that you have an opportunity to put into practice and to execute what I'm preaching. Amen. I'm never going to beat you across the head. I will ask you. So the right answer is, I give my life away. Watch this. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says this. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So watch this. God has planted eternity in every person's heart. I'm going to prove it to you. That's why sooner or later in every person's life, they're going to start to think about the afterlife. Believer, non-believer, it doesn't matter. Everybody thinks about the afterlife. You know why? Because God placed eternity in our hearts. Now, most people are living their life like this. It's the way the wind blows. Not this church. I want us to be intentional how we live. I want you to start making plans today on how you're going to finish your life. How you are going to end this thing? What's it look like? It's only a vapor. We don't have much time. Right? So let me show you three ways to live intentionally. Number one, I will intentionally give what I have. Only what I have. I will give it away. I'm not talking about money, just money. I'm talking about time, talent, treasure, ideas, creativity, possessions, things. You got a shovel, go use your shovel. You got a half a rake, go use the half a rake. Are you with me? Use what you got and watch what God does. The Bible actually says that if you'll be faithful with the little things, he'll trust you with more. So if you don't like your shovel, go use it and God will give you a new one. Look at your neighbor real quick and say you're rich. Some of you started laughing. That dude didn't see my checkbook. (laughs) No, you're rich. The fact that you live in America makes you rich. The fact that you live in Louisiana makes you even more rich because we got crawfish and nobody else does. (laughs) The fact that you go to OSC makes you even more rich because if you look around the room, you'll see all the talent, time, treasure, ideas, creativity, passion, drive, energy. Come on somebody. We're rich, man. We're rich. If you just look around the room, there's we're rich. But with that richness comes responsibility. You see, one day I'm going to give account for what I did with this rich church. That's why sometimes I push That's why sometimes I call you when you don't want me to call you. And you go, oh, Pastor Jamie. I know how it is. It takes about four or five rings. I'm going, "Uh uh-huh. They're deciding if they want to answer. Stub their toe, Lord. Make them. No. I'm going to give an account for this. Responsibility is great. 2 Corinthians 9, 11 says this. Yes, you will be enriched in every way. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take our gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Watch this. Your generosity leads people to God. Heard a story a while back, this girl, that one of these churches gave out a little card, something like this. And it, just, it was just a little simple act of kindness card. And this girl was in the line at McDonald's, and she, she was paying for her food. And she said, I want to pay for the girl behind me. And when, you, when she drives, up, just give her this card. And the lady's like, okay. So she drove off. Well, she went up to the next window. And the girl comes up, goes to pay. Lady says, no, your lunch has been paid for. It was your dinner. Your dinner was been paid for. And she hands her this card, and on the card it says, God loves you, you know, kind of gives a little bit of information. The girl in the car jots down the license plate of the girl in front of her, and the name of the church was on the card. She drives up, she gets her food, tears flowing down her face. She calls the church Monday Said, "Hey, I'm looking for somebody with this license plate." Now she didn't know there was 13,000 people that went to that church, <laughs> and they were like, "Ma'am, we, <laughs> we don't have that on record." She said, "Well, I want you to tell the pastor that somebody gave me this card, and I was going to McDonald's to eat my last supper before killing myself. But they gave me that card. They did an act of kindness. And I'm going to be at your church Sunday. And gave her life to Jesus. And she's still alive today. You never know what your generosity is going to do. You never know what your generosity will do. Isn't that good? I will intentionally give whatever I have. I can't give what I don't have but I'll give what I do have. Let me give you three ways that you can give. First way is to become a percentage giver in the church. You need to give tithes and you need to give offerings. The Bible's clear about that. I'll never stand here and tell you, Daniel, you need to give $1,000 this month. Have I ever done that to anybody in this church? We will never do that. What we will do is we will, we will instruct you or encourage you to pray, plan, and then give. Right? I'm not going to put you in a headlock. So be a percentage giver. Every person needs to tithe. You realize if every person in this church tithed, we wouldn't have any money issues. I know a church right now, they live on 60% of their budget. Most businesses in America can't do that. You know why? Because the church tithes. The second way that you can give is, is through our miracle offerings. April the 2nd, we're, ha- we're taking up a miracle offering. We, we do this every year. We receive a miracle offering. That'll be April 2nd. So we're asking you to pray, plan, and then give. You need to pray. God, what do you want me to give to this miracle offering? I believe in the work. I believe in the mission of our Savior's church. What do you want me to do? And give. The third way is acts of kindness. Just go out and do something for somebody. Buy somebody a cup of coffee. Do something. Number two, how do I live intentionally? I will intentionally serve others. You're going to love this one. Go with me to Matthew chapter 20. This verse right here, you're going to have to sleep on this one. Because this one's going to mess you up. Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 to 28. But among you, it will be difficult or it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. That is just so weird. That is so un-American. It is so uncultural right now. Culture says that you got to rise to the top and skip over every hurdle you can to get to your top. It's all about me being in the front. It's all about me, myself and I. Right? But Jesus says you want to be great? You want to be a leader, be a servant, be a slave, be in the background. Come on. Some of you that's pricking you right now. That's, I don't believe that. That's, it's in the Bible. This one gets even better. Verse 28, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Even Jesus Christ came, not in a golden chariot, not with with robes covered in, in gold and people washing his feet. Jesus came with some broke down sandals and a robe like we got. And he served people. He laid his life down for other people. Here's a good indicator. Anytime you feel like you need to be in the front, you need to walk to the back. Can I tell you yesterday? I wanted to be on the stage. I I I would have been good with just being the guy holding up the the, uh, auction things because I wanted to be seen. That's what my flesh wanted. But these words right here, I couldn't get away from them. You know where I spent the rest of the day? Shoveling ice and drinks in the corner behind the bar, the good bar. I was trying to fill everybody's thirst before they got to the other bar. Know what I'm saying? But I wanted to be in the front. I wanted to be the front runner. You want to hear something crazy? Frank's brother, Byron, who's that Gracie's is his, his, uh, Gracie is his, son, his daughter. Byron is known for doing all these benefits. Byron was constantly doing benefits for all kinds of other people. Serving, man, And things ain't easy. And how many people showed up? 1,500? 2,000? How much money did they raise? God only knows, three four hundred thousand dollars in one day. I looked at Byron. I said, "Dude, no." I looked at Frank because Frank was blown away by how many people were there. I said, "Byron's got seed in the ground, bro. He's reaping a harvest. He's sown seed into other people, and his seed is there when he's in need." Are you seeing this? I had droves of people. They sold three roosters for $900. Me and Doug was like, man, I'm going to get my roosters. Three roosters and a box of shells, $900. It wasn't about the roosters and the shells. It was about Gracie. (laughs) It was funny, though. I was like, hey, them roosters ain't even pretty. (laughs) We will intentionally... I will intentionally serve others. How can we serve others? Number one, you need to get on the dream team. Listen, if you're new to the church and you've only been here for a little while, I'm going to give you some permission to just kind of hang out for a little while and get acclimated. But after you've been here a little while, I'm going to start putting a little pressure on you. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm going to start putting a little little next step pressure. I'm going to start putting some, you need to go to the next step. I'm going to announce it from here. Then one day I'm going to catch you in the corner. I'm going to say, hey, you know, you've been here. And you haven't been through Next Step. Just saying. I'm going to put a little pressure on you. So if you've been here for a little while, you need to get through Next Step. Why? So that you can get on the dream team. So that you can discover your purpose. And that you can start to make a difference. You realize there's people making a difference today? There's kids right there in that building over there that are getting brainwashed. Like scrubbed. Some of them kids need their brain scrubbed. If that's your kid, I apologize. I apologize. But there's, there's people that are volunteering, giving of their time. They've discovered their purpose, and they're in there pouring their life out into other children. They're leaving a legacy just next door. You need to go through the dream. You need to get on the dream team. The second way is to go through, is to get involved in outreaches. Listen, I'm going to do everything I can to make you aware of the outreaches that are going on. We do them two ways. We do them through life groups, and then we do them church-wide. I'm going to put it on Facebook and we're going to send out a mass text. I'm going to do everything I can to make you aware, to give you an opportunity to get involved in an outreach. Because I want you to be involved in making a difference. Amen. Number three, and I'm going to start wrapping this up. I didn't say I was finished. I just said I was going to start wrapping it up. Number three, how do we live intentionally? I will intentionally share Christ. This is a big one. I will intentionally share Christ. 80% of the people that you invite will come to church. And I dare you today to go out this week and invite 10 people to church. And I'm not talking about a drive-by invitation. Like Caleb's daddy threw a Bible at us one time. He was driving by, just threw a Bible out the window. It's was like, dude, he does that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about walking by somebody and saying, hey, you want to come to church? I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you to pray for 10 people by their name and say, Lord, would you bring them to church? And then I want you to look them in the eye and say, hey, I would love for you to come to church with me. I'd love for you to come see this, this crazy ball-headed guy. You know, he's real good looking, but you just, you know, don't say that. They will be highly disappointed. They'll leave. But I want you to say, hey, would you, would you come to church with me? And it doesn't matter where they're at. You with me? I don't care if they're addicted. I don't care if they're strung out. Bring them in. Holy Spirit's here. He'll he'll sober them up as soon as they walk in the building. But just invite 10 people. I challenge you to do that today, this week. Invite 10 people earnestly to come. And let's see if 80% works. If it doesn't work, I'll get up here and apologize. After we have a long conversation. (laughs) There's something we're missing in the church, and I want to share this with you this morning. I'm going to finish it up with this. There's something that I believe every one of us, 90% of us are missing. We're missing the experience of bringing an unchurched person to church. Let Let me show you what this looks like. If you'll take the challenge that I just gave you, and you'll begin to pray for 10 people earnestly, and then you'll invite them. Your life is going to change when the one says, yep, I'm coming. You're going to be like, uh-oh. Man, I hope the band plays good. Lord, I hope they don't make me park my car twice. Lord, I hope Jamie don't say nothing stupid. <laughs> It'll make you pray for me. But then, but then you're going to be waiting for him in the parking lot on Sunday. And you're going to be nervous you have all these emotions ramping up inside of you. And they're going to get out the car and they're going to meet them. Hey, I'm glad you're here. And you're going to be a nervous wreck. And you're going to bring them into the church like a little, like a little child or something. You're going to be like, come on, this is my people. I'm bringing them in. And you're going to see. You, you may get by somebody that's a little weird. And you're going to say, let's go this way. <laughs> <laughs> they show up every now and then. And then you're going to get them checked in. And then you're going to come sit them down. And you're going to be man, I hope, I hope the band's on today. Man, you're going to be nervous. I heard a story. This pastor one day, this lady came up to him. and she said, Pastor, I brought a friend to church. I've been praying for for a while. You better not say nothing stupid. <laughs> don't do that to me. I'm going to mess up. I'm better if I don't know. But they're going to hear a message that may lead them to Christ. And then we're going to give an invitation at the end of that service. And you know how we do? Everybody bow your head, close your eyes, Right? If you bring somebody to church that's unchurched, I give you permission to peek. Because you know how you are. Everybody's bowing their heads and you're like. (laughs) You bring somebody to church, you can peek. But then you get to feel the emotions of when the tears start falling down their face and they slip their hand up and they go, I accept the work that Christ did. I want my name written in that book. Can I get my name in the book of life? And you're going to feel all that going on inside of you. Our church is missing that. I believe we're missing that.